your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. It was written once in the New York Times Sunday magazine that no other person or organization in the world, including the State Department, has helped more Chinese prisoners. The man about whom that was speaking was Mr. John Cam, founder and executive director of the Duihua Foundation in San Francisco. And he now joins us on the line. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning, Alex. And uh, what an accolade, what a... A career you've had in doing so much to to help people in China, making dozens of trips. I understand it's been more than a hundred, has it, to China? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, my uh, my actually, I went over to China in 1972, and um, but I only began working on human rights uh, in 1989. Um, so actually, it just so happens that it's exactly 26 years ago. Uh, that I made my first intervention on behalf of a prisoner. How sad is it to you that uh, we are still talking about Miao Deshun, 51 years old, behind bars? He is, as I mentioned before in introducing this interview, set to be released from prison later this year, but it's been quite a period, hasn't it? Oh, of course. Uh, you know, it's it'll be... 27 years plus uh, from the time he was first uh, detained uh, to the date of his release, which is October 15th, uh, 2016. So during that time, he has been in prison. And to the best of our knowledge, he is the last person who was serving a sentence for something he did uh, during the spring protests of 1989. Yeah, the, the iconic images of Tiananmen Square. Where does Miao Deshun fit within that? Well, the, Tiananmen Square, when you talk about people who went to prison uh, for protests, and by the way, um, there were protests in something like 300 cities in China, yes. so it, it wasn't just Beijing. But um, typically you can divide the prisoners into two uh, camps. One are the intellectuals, uh, students, scholars, journalists, people who uh, were convicted of uh, what we call expression and association crimes, um, referred to in the Chinese lexicon as counter-revolutionary offenses. So that's one group. And typically they were better treated and were released uh, most of them actually released early from their sentences. The other group were young workers uh, who took to the barricades. And Miao Dushun is, I think, uh, emblematic of that particular type of prisoner. Okay. Why him, though? Why is he the last prisoner? And, and actually, why is he being released now? Well, that's a good question. Obviously, uh, no one has, has been in contact with him in recent years. Uh, what we know of him uh, largely comes from prisoners who uh, served in the same prison as him. 
And what they tell us is that he was quite defiant. He refused to accept uh, his guilt. He, he considered himself not to be guilty. And he refused to uh, engage in physical labor. Now, in the Chinese system, for you to get a, uh, a sentence reduction, you have to admit your guilt and you have to perform physical labor. And he refused to do either. Uh, so over time, he just stayed in. He got uh, his initially he was sentenced to death with two year reprieve. That's a unique Chinese uh, sentence. Mm. After the two years were, were up, he was commuted to life in prison. And then from there, he went to 20 years. Uh, they, they commuted the life sentence to 20 years in 1998. So his uh, sentence was due to expire in 2018. He'll be out of roughly two years before then. Uh, now, in, from what I understand from official sources, is that a few years ago, he changed his mind, um, and he, uh, in effect, acknowledged guilt. But, you know, he's been so ill uh, that it's hard to believe that he engaged in any physical labor. So I guess yeah. they waived that condition. So back in 2012, he got his first sentence reduction of one year. And just in March, two months ago, he got his second, almost a year, 11 months. Has China done enough or, or even anything close to enough in your mind to, to atone for its crackdown and those protests in all those different well, locations? Again, China has, the Chinese government, that is, has a very different view of what happened than I would say most of the uh, rest of the world. Uh, in in the uh, view of the Chinese government and of course the party that controls it, um, what happened in June of 1989 was an existential threat to their uh, survival. Uh, so that's how they see it. So in you know if, if you had a Chinese government official talking to you right now he would probably say they have nothing to atone for. Uh, they did what was necessary to stay in power. Dealing with China sometimes seems like dealing with North Korea, uh, especially when you go just a little bit further back in history. Yet you are credited with having helped more than 400 prisoners. Uh, how have you been able to, to deal with Beijing? Well, first of all, I, I, I must say I can't, I, I can't agree that uh, China is like North Korea. I mean, I just there mean in the sense that I, I just want to clarify that because obviously we are sure. talking about two very different countries and political systems. But the way, in which, the way in which the government is able to control the legal system and the media and apparently in a, in a relatively arbitrary way hold prisoners. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so I've developed uh, my own techniques uh, for... First of all, um, obtaining information on prisoners. You know, it's very hard to work on a case if you don't have, have information. And so unlike other groups, we actually do, um, I do, uh, interact with uh, Chinese officials on a frequent basis, by which I mean several times a week. Right. Um, and you develop over time uh, a sense of uh, how to navigate what is... Um, a rather complex system. You know, they're, they're, China is such a big place, and there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of disagreement internally on how to do things. 
so you may find, for instance, some officials that are more sympathetic to the release of a prisoner uh, as opposed to others who are very unsympathetic. So it's, it's important to know who you're dealing with, and it's very important to know how to deal with them. Uh, so I have developed over the years my own methodology. Uh, I go frequently. Uh, I have very frank uh, discussions, almost always uh, one-on-one, maybe one-on-two. Uh, no notes. It's all uh, memorized. Uh, so I don't like to sit there taking notes. Um, I'm respectful, uh, but principled. Uh, and the other thing, as we, we you will see in this particular case, is I would say uh, I'm relentless. Uh, once I take on a case, I never give up. Yeah. So in the case of Miao Deshun, I you know I put him on what we call prisoner lists, uh, 17 occasions. M- Mr. Cam, do you feel that those skills though could still be applied to an even more extreme situation like North Korea? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. Uh, people have encouraged me to try it out, um, including, I might add, a few Chinese officials who think that uh, my methods might, in fact, um, well, uh, yield some positive results. I'm not so sure, but I- I'll say this. Um, you know, I have never, and this is key, I have never gone out of my way to criticize uh, the government. Uh, in North Korea, the the Democratic People's Republic. I've never uh, attacked any of the leaders. I've never said anything critical. Well, that immediately Um, puts you on a a potentially positive uh, footing with them. We've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. John Cam from the Duihua Foundation. Hopefully, we'll be able to celebrate the release of all those Tiananmen Square prisoners later this year.